Pinocchio. Why didn't you go to school? School? Well, I... Um, go ahead, tell her. I was going to school till I met somebody. Met somebody? Yeah, uh, two big monsters with big green eyes. Why, I... Monsters? Weren't you afraid? No, ma'am, but they tied me in a big sack. You don't say. And where was Sir Jiminy? Huh? Oh, Jiminy? Leave me out of this. They put him in a little sack. No. Yes. How did you escape? I didn't. They chopped me in the firewood. Oh, oh, look. My nose. What's happened? Perhaps you haven't been telling the truth, Pinocchio. Perhaps. Oh, but I have. Every single word. <laughs> Please help me. I'm awful sorry. You see, Pinocchio, a lie keeps growing and growing until it's as plain as the nose on your face. She's right, Pinocchio. You better come clean. I'll never lie again. I'll never lie again. Pinocchio would do well to tell the truth, and so would we. Jesus said in John chapter 8, would you read this with me? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Maybe you've heard that line in movies. Maybe you've said it to one another. The truth shall set you free. It is, it is true that the truth will set you free. And, and it would be good for us to tell the truth. It, it's healthy for us to tell the truth. Sometimes in those Disney classics, the things that they tell us are a bit cliche, but I think that the fairy godmother has a point there. We think that our lies are really clever, but sometimes they're as plain as the noses on our faces. They're just out there. We think that we're tricking everyone else. We think that we're fooling other people, but, but perhaps we're only fooling ourselves. Now, I'm not just talking about the lies that we verbally say. I'm also talking about sometimes the way that we live. And lies are so hard to keep up with, and that's why they're so unhealthy. And that's why it's important to get them out of our lives. You don't have to live in a lie anymore. What does it look like to live in a lie? Do you ever notice that when you tell one lie like Pinocchio, you have to tell another lie on top of that? You just have to keep on chasing the lie? I remember when I was in second grade in Mrs. Neri's class, I got a timeout. I was really embarrassed about it. And I went home, and my mom asked me how my day was, and I said, fine. And then she said, what did you do today? And I don't know what I said, but I didn't bring up the timeout. And I remember I was trying to fill the day, and then I got to that one spot in the day, like, that's where I got in trouble. And I filled it in with something else. But do you ever know that when you tell a lie, it's like all of a sudden you put a cone out and now you can't cross that cone again? Like, oh, oh no. Okay, well, I'm going to have to keep track of that lie. Okay. And then you tell another lie to try to cover that up. Like, okay, well, I need to make sure people don't find out about that first lie. And, okay, I should have arranged these a little bit differently, but I hope people don't find out about that first lie. And then I've got to tell another lie and then I've got to tell another lie and my life is falling apart. Can you tell? And then I've got to tell another lie. And all of a sudden, the lies that we thought were actually like helping us out, what have they done? They've, they've really just restricted us. They've kept us in this place. The reason why we oftentimes lie, whether it's in our words or just in the way that we're living our lives, the way that we project ourselves, sometimes the reason why we lie is because we're not okay with reality. We don't like it. And so we think that if we just fib a little bit, whether the words we say or the things that we do, it's going to provide some relief or freedom. 
But Jesus tells us it's the truth that is going to set you free. You don't have to live in this place anymore. I don't know if it was a couple days or if it was a couple weeks, but it was not that long when I finally came to my mom like, Mom, I had a time out in school. And you know what was neat about it? She told me, I know, Mrs. Neri told me. <laughs> she didn't love me any less. She talked with me about it. She told me about the importance to tell the truth, but I did not for a second doubt that she loved me any less. And that is what helped me feel free. It was not chasing the lie. It was stepping outside of the lie and coming back into the truth. And, and that's what helped me feel free. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. When he says the truth and the life, what's he talking about? He's talking about freedom. He says, I'm the truth. I'm the real deal. I am actual reality. You can live in this kind of way. You can follow me. You can live with me. And then he also says, I'm the life. The Greek word for life is zoe. Everyone say zoe. And zoe means physical life and it also means spiritual life. And what's it really trying to say? What it's saying is everything that you wanted your life to be. Freedom. Everything that you wanted your life to be. That's what you get with the truth that Jesus offers us. You don't have to live restricted anymore. You get to live in the truth. So what is that truth that Jesus has brought to us to give us real life? Well, Jesus says that's my whole purpose. When Jesus was on trial for his life, He's standing before Pontius Pilate and he says this when he's being questioned. He says, I was born and came into the world to testify the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. So in one of the critical moments of his life, Jesus is saying, the purpose of my arrival into this world is to bring you truth, to break down the shackles of lies I want, I want to bring you truth. So if you want to think about, okay, in picture form, what does it look like for Jesus to come into the world? Let, let's say that this is where Jesus was hanging out before. This, these, are, these are my versions of clouds. Uh, that's not to say that I think that heaven is just a bunch of clouds and playing harps. Uh, because if that was true, for a lot of us, that would be more like hell, right? So that's not what we want. But let's say Jesus is up here, right? And, and, and we're living down here. And just, okay, metaphorically speaking, up and down, sometimes that helps us see it. And when Jesus comes down to us, what is he bringing? Well, he's bringing truth. Sorry, my marker's a little faint there, but here's heaven, here's earth, and Jesus comes into the world with truth. And so the first piece of truth that you can hold on to today is this. Truth has come to you. Truth is not something that you have to chase down. Truth has come to you. How many of us are trying to chase truth? How many of us are trying to figure out truth? How many of us are trying to find out my own truth? When Pontius Pilate responds to Jesus, he responds cynically. You can kind of hear it in the way that it's been worded. What is truth? What is truth? And if you read the context of that passage, Pontius Pilate doesn't even give Jesus a moment to respond. He just immediately then goes back out and talks to the people as he's going to determine what's about to happen to Jesus. It's cynical. And what is truth? Is there actual universal truth in the world? Is there anything out there that we can all look at and say, yes, that is true? Well, it's what we want, and that might surprise us. Because I do feel like it seems, in some ways, in the culture that we're living in today, we're trying to push that truth is subjective. You know, that truth can be determined by each individual person. And there is some truth to that, right? 
Some things that are true about you might not be true about me. Some of the things that you feel are very true and very valid, and they might not be the things that I'm feeling. So what's true for you in some instances might not be what's true for me. But there is something deeper that we're all seeking, something that could be true for all of us. Not the kinds of truths that we can determine, but the kind of truths that we observe and accept and receive, and the kind of truth that might accept and receive us too. I found that this was incredibly interesting. This was a few years ago. This survey came out a few years ago, but it asked teenagers, what do you want from your parents? What do you want from the adults in your life? And this is so fascinating to me because how often is it that the thing that we're trying to give young people, I, I just want you to find out how to find your way. The number one, answers that teen, the number one answer that teenagers gave in the survey was, I want to know the truth. I want to know the truth. I don't want to find everything out by myself. I want to know the truth. Well, thank God we have a God who's brought the truth to us. There is a truth that has come for you. And the first thing to know about is this. You don't have to chase it down. The truth that Jesus brings has come to you. Now, there are some myths that sometimes we fall into about this truth and freedom. Like, what does it actually look like? Jesus says, the truth will set you free. So what is that truth and what is that freedom? What does it actually look like? Like I said, sometimes the world, we try to push so hard, like, well, just find, find your own truth. And the young people are saying, no, help me find out what truth is. Say, so, well, no, I don't want to be your master, right? Because sometimes when we think about freedom, and Jesus says, truth will bring you freedom, we think, well, freedom would mean no master, right? But that's actually a myth about freedom. A freedom myth that I want you to take away from today is this. Freedom does not mean that you have no master. In this dialogue that's happening in John chapter 8 that you heard in the reading for today, Jesus says to them, the truth is going to set you free. Now Jesus is speaking to some religious people who believe, well, we have found freedom. We don't need your freedom. We found freedom. We've been given freedom just because we've been born into it. We're privileged, as they would say. They say back to Jesus, they say, we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. We don't need you to tell us what kind of freedom you've brought into this world with your truth. We're already free. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Not a single person in the world is more acceptable to this truth, is more acceptable to this freedom, is more prepared or ready to receive this freedom than anybody else. Because what they're saying is we have been born into freedom is what they're saying. So if we go way back in our Bibles, Jesus lived about 2,000 years ago from us and about a couple of thousand years before him, there was this guy named Abraham. And God promised that he was going to bless the world through Abraham, through the line of Abraham. And so Abraham's descendants were these holy people. And it's true. You can read it in the Old Testament. You can read it throughout the Bible. God sets apart this holy line of people because through this holy line of people, he's going to give his son, Jesus Christ. But as we also see in the Bible, Jesus has come not just for people who are descendants of Abraham, not just for people who might look like Abraham, who might look like they fit into that family. Jesus says, I have come for all people. And so they're finding security in something that they shouldn't be finding security in. They believe that their freedom is found in what they've been born into. They believe that they're acceptable, for, they're acceptable to God because they've just been better than other people. But here's the thing about finding favor with God. A little bit after, excuse me, a little bit before Abraham, we read a story about Noah. 
And you might know about Noah. Noah built this big, huge ark. And Noah was saved from the tragedy of the world, the flood that struck the world. And why was it that Noah was able to get on this boat? It says that Noah found favor with God. And we think, okay, well, in order to find favor with God, I must be righteous. I must be perfect. I must fit in. But the interesting thing about that story is it says that Noah found favor with God and then he was righteous. Does anybody here know the difference between earning $20 and finding $20? If I earn $20, I'm going to keep it to myself. If I find $20, if I'm a decent human being, I want to share it with you. That's righteous living. I didn't earn God's favor. I found God's favor. And God has planted his favor everywhere in this world. You get to stumble upon it and you get to share it. Jesus responds to these people, you are no more special than anybody else. You are special, but you're no more special than anybody else. What he says to them is, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins, and big key takeaway here is, is, is everybody does sin, is a slave to sin. He's saying, listen, everybody has a master. There's nobody in this world who doesn't have a master. You all have a master. In other words, like you all have that voice that you listen to. And I, I don't mean that necessarily in a, a, a different kind of mental way, but like the, there's that voice that guides you and directs you. What, what is it for you? What is it that thing that you let direct and guide your life? Is it a relationship? Is it a job? Is it a dream? Is it a pursuit? Is it a status? Is it a power? What is it? What's that voice that you listen to that guides your life? We all have a voice that we listen to that guides our life that makes us get up in the morning, that keeps us up at night. What is yours? What is the voice that guides you? What is the thing that you believe is going to make you free? Sometimes I, I think about it like this, and, and God gave me an interesting illustration this week, I felt like, and, and so I'm going to share that with you. Uh, so I see a lot of you at the gym, um, and I notice a lot of you are very, very strong. Nice. Good work, right? Now, if you see me at the gym, you'll find something consistent about me. I'm always on the cardio deck. I don't, I don't touch the weights, right? But one thing that's interesting about the gym is whether you're at the weights or you're on the cardio deck, like, you've got headphones in because it motivates you. It moves you. And oftentimes when I'm listening to music, I think that, okay, everybody's hearing what I'm hearing, and I look pretty cool because the song that I'm listening to sounds pretty cool. And, like, here's what's going on in my mind if you can hear it like this, and it's motivating. Ready? Here we go. And it's... Come on, you know what I mean? I'm like thinking like everybody's feeling my vibe right now. You know what I mean? Like we're rolling, we're rocking, we're rolling. But in all actuality, like it's more like <laughs> clunk, 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 clunk. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't actually sound good. Like in my mind, there's a voice that's guiding me and it's wonderful. But, but the reality is it actually, <laughs> you know? What, what's the voice? Now, there are certain musics and certain genres and certain songs that, that really pump me up and, and get me through a run, right? That, that make me feel motivated to keep on pushing, to keep on going. A, a guiding voice, if you will. Uh, sometimes Abby will tell me, like, Danny, the, the, the music that you listen to is quite odd uh, when, when, when you run. And I like to listen to music that makes me happy. And, and this last week, I discovered, to some of you it seemed crazy that I just discovered them, I discovered a band called ABBA. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness! Like the Norwegian pop band. I think they're from Norway. I don't know for sure. Like incredible. And I was so blown away by these guys. And as I was listening to them, I was really excited. And I had my, my headphones in. And, but then at one random point in the song, all of a sudden, the, the song just cut. And I was like, oh, what in the world? So I, I pull my phone out. And I, I look at my phone. And, and, I, and I hit play. 
And as I hit play, like, it sounds really quiet. I'm confused. I'm like, what in the world? So I, so I, I, I like, you know, press the volume button. I'm turning it up. I'm like, okay, I can hear it louder, but it's still pretty quiet. And again, I don't know how long it took me, but eventually I realized, oh, like my headphones are dead. And that's not coming into my ears. That's coming out of my phone. And so the people on, the other, on either side of me are, are forced to listen to this. And I don't know how long. But I mean, like, in my mind, this is the voice that's guiding me and moving me, and it's feeling great. And when I realize, oh my gosh, everyone can hear this, I was humiliated. And I checked. The guy to my left, wearing headphones. The woman to my right, no headphones. She heard it all. I'm a sweaty mess listening to Norwegian pop music from the 70s, just dancing my way through the song. Oh. Suddenly, I stopped listening to the voice of Abba, which ironically is also the name for Father in the Bible that Jesus refers to God as, which I think is really special. You can cut the song, it's okay. It is beautiful, it makes me happy. But it's funny, all of a sudden I stopped listening to that voice and I started listening to the voices of the people around me. They weren't speaking to me, but suddenly I was more concerned with like their approval. And they became my guiding voices. Like now I was kind of serving them. Like I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And so I just pause, hit pause on my phone. I, 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 can't, I can't do this. Listen, whether I was listening to my phone or I was listening to the people around me, I had some sort of master telling me what to do and how to behave. Now, interestingly, as I turned the music off and I was so focused on what the people around me thought of me, I began to get very tired on the run. I mean, really, I started to get more and more exhausted to a point where I realized I'm going to have a master anyway, and I know my headphones aren't working, and I just hit play again, and what do you know? Here it comes, and I just started bolting again, and I didn't care. I actually ran in the gym with the phone up to my ear like this. And everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy, but this was the voice that was bringing me freedom. And I had to listen to it. Now, part of the reason why I'm playing this specific segment of the song is, is because young people, you will know that that song trended on TikTok. I've been hearing this for like a year. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's ABBA. So I don't know what that says. If that means that music from the 70s was better, if we're stealing their music. If you tell my parents they said that, I won't talk to you anymore, but you know, like, the truth about freedom is that like, you do have a master. Like, there's something that's guiding you in your life, that's moving you, that's, that's, that's making you wake up and, and keeping you up at night and, and giving you passion and giving you real life. Freedom does not mean that you have no master, but freedom is having the right master. To have the right master. Jesus says, I am the Son of God, and who the Son sets free is free indeed. He says, if the Son sets you free you are truly free. There are a lot of voices in this world that will try to get you to stay in your cage, if you will. To stay restricted. But Jesus says, I, I want to give you freedom. Choose the right master. Listen to the right guiding voice. Listen to Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong, he'll, he'll tell you what to do. This is another myth about freedom. Another freedom myth is, I can do whatever I want! If Jesus is your guiding voice, it doesn't necessarily mean that you do whatever you want. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul writes, it's so frustrating. I do what I don't want, and I don't do what I do want. 
It's because we have this confliction inside of us. We have conflicting desires, right? A couple of nights ago, um, Abby and I, our, our friend, uh, has a birthday uh, tomorrow, and so he and his girlfriend were, were at our house, and we had Oreo cake, and, and I don't know what happens to me when cake is in front of me, especially ice cream cake. It's his birthday, but I ate half the cake, you know? I, and like, my desire is to have that Oreo cake, and I felt it in the pit of my stomach for 48 hours, right? And so, like, my desires, I want to feel this, and yet my other desires, I don't want to feel sick. Like, we have conflicting desires. It is impossible to just do whatever I want, and that's going to be freedom. It says this, uh, Jesus says this in, in John chapter 18. He says, or excuse me, John chapter 8. It's not chapter 18 there. He says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Now, is Jesus just trying to control you, call you his property, and keep you from the fun in life? Well, well, no. The truth about freedom is freedom is not doing whatever you want, but freedom is doing what you were built to do. Freedom is having the option to choose the things that liberate you instead of confine you. Like, there are certain options that I will choose in my life that, yes, it was a free choice, but, it, but it's ended up confining me like feeling sick for two days. And then there are the things that I can choose in my life that, yes, confine me from doing the things that would hurt me, but liberate me to do the things that I was built for. Jesus says, if you're truly my disciple, you will remain faithful to what I've taught you. It's not because Jesus is so possessive or so controlling. It's because Jesus wants you to live the way that you were built to live. And the more time that you spend with him, the more freedom you'll have to do that. I mean, part of freedom is having, like, the freedom of choice. Like, to be able to do the things that, like, really your soul is longing to do. So I, I think about it like this. I see my friend Sean back here, and if I picked up his guitar, it, it wouldn't go so well. I, I don't have the freedom to play his guitar, not just because it's his guitar, but because I, I can't do what he can do with a guitar. But Sean has spent... I don't know. Sean, how many years have you been playing the guitar? 1978. 1978 was when he started. And the first place you publicly played the guitar was where? Right here. Right on this stage. How cool is that? So he's been spending time with this instrument. He's been faithful to it. And listen to what he can do. good to see somebody free in the way that they were built to be free, right? It's not just doing what I want to do all the time. It's doing what I was made to do. It's doing what aligns with my physical body, but also my spiritual well-being. And Jesus says, I, I want both for you. How about it for Sean, huh? Man, that's pretty cool. Started playing publicly here in this space. That's pretty cool. See, Jesus, he, he does know what you really need. He does know what your, what your soul really longs for. Because he created your soul. Because he made your soul. 
I think that one of the biggest fears a lot of us have is that we've gone too far in the wrong direction. We've made too many bad mistakes that no matter what, we're going to be stuck here, right? I'll never be free again because I've gone too far. I mean, I've gotten too far away from the design of the way that it's supposed to be. Anybody here have braces when they were younger? Anybody have braces currently? What do they tell you when you get your braces off? Wear your retainer. So I tried putting in my retainer last week. I don't know, it'd been what, six months? <laughs> Ow, right? And now I'm scared. What if my teeth are never perfectly straight again, right? And so we get this fear, like, am I too far gone? Have I lost the design? You are in touch with the designer of your soul. And he is not giving up on you. He will not stop telling you the truth in love. He will not stop bringing it immediately to you. See, this dialogue, it's continuing. It's getting more and more tense. And they're fighting with Jesus. And, and Jesus says that those who believe in me and those who obey me, those who remain faithful to me, they will live in the way that they were built to live because I made them. I know that about them. And they'll never die. They'll just, they'll pass through death. They'll live forever. And the, the, the conversation gets really, really tense. And these religious people say, oh my goodness, how can you say this? Our father, Abraham, he died. Are you saying that you're greater than Abraham? He says, well, no, Abraham looked forward to me. Abraham had faithfulness. If Abraham could live now, he would say, ah, now I finally see it. They say, what, what do you know about this? How do you know what Abraham thinks? You weren't old enough to know him. They say, you're not even 50 years old. And Jesus comes back with this wild statement. And we can glance over it and think that it's nothing, but truly this is insane. He says, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. If you've been reading your Bible for a long time, maybe you know this. There's something very special about that phrase, I am. Back in the book of Exodus, there was this very famous prophet, and his name was Moses. He's the one who was in charge of, you know, splitting the Red Sea and, let my people go, you know. It's a good movie. Check it out. It's also a good story. and also tells us about how God wants to free us from the things that are holding us captive. Moses was called to lead God's people out from captivity. I want you to live in truth. I want you to live in freedom. And God tells Moses, you're going to lead these people. Go and do it. And Moses says, well, who should I say sent me? And God responds with the beautiful name Yahweh. And it means I am. I am self-sustaining. I do not need anything to survive. I am entirely independent. I am entirely free so that you can be dependent on me. We live in a world where oftentimes we think that freedom means independence. And sure, it means independence from our wounds and wounders, but that independence comes from dependence on our Savior. God is saying, I am. I am self-sustaining. I am totally free, and I welcome you into that freedom. And Jesus says, that same God who spoke to Moses and commanded Moses to bring people into freedom, I am. I am self-sustaining. I am entirely free. I know the truth about freedom, and I've come to bring it to you. See, Jesus does this for us because he wants us to be family. He wants us to know that we are family. He says this about the, the conflict that we have when we listen to other voices in our lives. I mean, if we're going to choose different masters in our lives, let's choose Jesus. These other masters in our lives, they truly do treat us without respect without respect for our lives. 
Your career might be an amazing thing, but the truth is that your career will always ask more of you for it. So many different masters in our lives and voices that we can listen to say, your life for mine. Jesus is the only one who says, my life for yours. Jesus says this in John chapter 8, back in the passage for today, a slave is not a permanent member of the family. Now, I will acknowledge this. The Bible does never, the Bible never affirms slavery. It never says it's okay. But it describes it. And here it's describing it and how horrible it is. Some of us are living as slaves to the wrong masters. And it's not that we're verbally telling lies. It's that we're living in a way that we weren't made to live. And it's not reality. It's not truth. You were made to live in truth. And the truth is, is that you are a family member of God. The verse continues, but a son is part of the family forever. The son and the daughter of God, and that's you, has security. You have security, so you got to time out at school. God's not going to love you any less. So you got the big promotion at work. God's not going to love you anymore because God loves you perfectly today as it is. There is nothing more special about you than anybody else in the world, and that's kind of humbling. But you know what's really neat? There's nothing more special about anyone else in the world than you. How cool is that? Here's the amazing thing about grace. God's grace reaches every single person. And sometimes that makes us feel very, very nice. And other times it makes us feel very, very uncomfortable. Because grace, grace is better than we think, but it's also bigger than we want, right? Grace, the truth of freedom, reaches even the people in this world that we think don't deserve it. At the beginning of this passage, it's interesting. There's a woman that people think don't deserve grace. They think that she doesn't deserve freedom. They think that she doesn't deserve the truth that Jesus would have to bring for her. There's a woman. She's caught in adultery. They bring her before Jesus. and Jesus, what do you want to do with her? You're a teacher. You're a religious leader. What should, what should we do? It says that they're trying to trick Jesus. I mean, you're this teacher of grace, but you're also this teacher of the law. And if you say that she hasn't broken the law, then you're not telling the truth. But if you say, let's go ahead and do what the law says, which was in those days permissible to kill her, well, then you're no teacher of grace, and you're just not who you say you are. They're, they're trying to trick him. They're trying to trap him. Martin Luther, who is an old theologian that this church was eventually named after, he he gave this theological contribution to Christianity and its law and gospel. And a lot of times we think there can be no coexistence of the two. God's rules and God's grace do not live together. But Jesus is going to show us that's not true. Jesus is going to show us real freedom, real truth. Jesus says to them with a stroke of brilliance, okay. Well, then let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Now, I will say this. It's quite the risk. What if one of them had the audacity, right? Well, I'm good, right? But he knew these people. He knew who they were. He knew what they had been up to. This is God in the flesh. Is Jesus saying, you know what? Adultery, it doesn't matter. Sin, it doesn't matter. Just go ahead and do whatever you want. No, he's not doing that. But he's saying, I will not give you the right to be a hypocrite. A hypocrite. I will not let you do to others what you don't want them to do to you. You do not want anybody to keep you confined 
And in this moment, Jesus is boldly saying, I will not let you keep her confined. Jesus knows these people. He's a master. He knows the world around him. He knows the hearts of the people around him. He knows what they're doing. He knows what they've been up to. See, in those days, the law was non-partial, right? Like, if someone was going to be caught in adultery, logically, there was somebody else involved. Where's the man? Why didn't they bring him? Well, it's because these religious teachers set the woman up. I mean, logically, that is the only conclusion here. They set this woman up so that they could trap Jesus. And Jesus says, you do not get to confine people. You do not get to confine people. You do not get to restrict them. You don't get to tell them what to do. I'm the good master. I teach you how to live in a way that you were built to live. And if you are going to call out the sin in her life, be real about the sin in your life. Be truthful about it. Be honest about it. Don't live inside those restrictions that now you're putting on yourself. Each one of them, starting from oldest to youngest, they drop their stones and they walk away. Jesus walks up to the woman, and now he'll talk to her about her sin. Keep that in mind. Jesus waits until all of the accusers are gone before he talks to her personally, one-on-one -on -one about the sin. How often is it that people say, you've got to call people out on their sin? Okay, yeah, but do you have a relationship with them? Are you doing it to embarrass them in public, or are you willing to have a one-on-one, -on -one, personal, meaningful conversation with them? You want to talk to them about the truth? Show them love. I get it. Love is not love if it isn't true. But truth is not helpful if it's not done in love. Jesus is going to give her help through truth and love. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And she says, no. And then she calls him Lord. I've seen all the other masters. I've heard all the other guiding voices. And I'm choosing you. You're my Lord. You're my master. And remember, Jesus said, let the, let the one who's never sinned go ahead and throw the first stone. Who, who's the one who's never sinned? It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who's never sinned, but he's the one who says, I don't condemn you either. Now go. Go. Is Jesus saying that what she did doesn't matter? No. Anytime that we live outside of God's will, he doesn't say that it doesn't matter. God really cares about creation. I think one of the ways that we could define sin is doing anything that defiles or flaws or hurts or mishandles creation. I think that's a good definition in part for sin. And so what she's done, it, it matters. But it matters so much to him that he will not leave it here. He will take it to somewhere that he could handle it. He will take it to the cross to put it to death. Yes, Jesus comes down and he brings truth to us. But never forget that Jesus is bringing us to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has brought the kingdom of heaven down to us. And he brings us to the kingdom of heaven with him. Like, you don't have to wait to experience the kingdom of heaven. The way that creation was supposed to exist. The way that you were built to live. You don't have to wait for that. You don't have to wait until you know all the answers. You can experience the kingdom of heaven now because Jesus has brought truth to you. And in our flaws, 
And in our mistakes, he picks them up and he carries them to his cross. He carries them to his cross. Jesus is saying to this woman, stones will be thrown, but they will hit me. Spears will be tossed, but they will pierce my side. Thorns will be used, but they will crush my skull. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that uh, God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You see, Jesus does something with the things that we maybe do down here that we don't always feel good about ourselves. We feel like we have to lie about it and cover it. He takes them all to his cross. And I just think it's so convenient and so wonderful that a cross points in all directions. You don't have to live down here. With the cross of Jesus, you go where Jesus goes. You follow where Jesus walks. You listen to what Jesus says. You let him be your guiding light. See, the last myth about freedom is when you believe you'll never be free. The truth about freedom is the Son says, I'm free. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you are free from the guiding voices that torment you? They're not guiding voices. They're lost voices themselves. Stop listening to them. Listen to the voice of Jesus who stands between you and the stones, who stands between you and the spears, who stands between you and the thorns who opens, who cuts the chains of your restrictions and your confinements. And he says, come on out, step into the truth. Be faithful to my commands and you will see that you will live the way that I made you to live. You do have a master, but he loves you. And he calls you family. And he says you're free. I invite you to say it with me this morning. I'm free. Will you say that? I'm free. Say it again. I'm free. Say it like you really believe it. I'm free. Come on, church. Say it again. I'm free. Jesus says you're free. What does that mean, church? I'm free. You are free. Now you go be a messenger of freedom. Now you go out and you cut the chains that have been confining people. Church, you've blown us away. In just a few weeks, you've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to be sent to people on the other side of this world in Ukraine. Yeah, you keep on sharing the message of freedom. Keep doing it, church. You're free. Be a messenger of freedom. Point people to the voice of Jesus. He is Lord. Amen. Let's stand up and sing.